Welcome to The Gaggle, an AZ Central podcast where we chat with reporters, experts, and special guests to keep you fully informed on the state's political news. I'm your host, Yvonne Winget Sanchez, and I cover national politics for the Arizona Republic. And I'm Ron Hansen, also a national political reporter for the Republic. In today's episode, we're talking about the ongoing legal battle between the state Senate and the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors over the audit of the 2020 election ballots. We'll break down the legal battle that led the legislature to request the 2.1 million ballots held by the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors. We'll also take a look at the potential precedent this could set. Before moving forward, we want to make it really clear that there is no evidence of any malfeasance in the 2020 general election. Joe Biden was the winner of the presidential election. Joining us today is Phoenix City Hall reporter Jen Fifield. Jen, thanks so much for being here. You've been covering this issue since November. Remind us how it all started. Well, first, thank you so much for having me. This is actually my first gaggle appearance, so I'm very honored to be here. Um, This all started back right after the election when Trump began saying the election was a fraud and a lie and started claiming that there was widespread uh, misconduct or fraud. There are several different protections in place under state law to make sure that the election goes well and everything is fair and votes are counted correctly. So the county went through with all of those audits. That included a hand count. That included a logic and accuracy test for machines. And those audits showed uh, that there were no issues in voting in Maricopa County or across the state. Along with the audits, there were multiple lawsuits Arizona became a target, really, for a lot of these lawsuits because it was such a close election. But none of the lawsuits panned out. All of them were dismissed. Uh, Still, some in the state weren't satisfied, and that included some Senate Republicans. So these audits and these reviews and the calibration tests, everything that you sort of walked us through there in the beginning, all of that happens regardless of fights over the election results, right? Right. So under state law, like I said, uh, the counties have many different procedures they have to follow. And that includes the audits that happen after the election, as well as even auditing the machines before the election. So that clearly wasn't enough for some Republicans who have been claiming, clamoring for months now, it seems, that this election was stolen from Donald Trump right here in Maricopa County. Why did the legal battle between the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors, which is a Republican-controlled board, and the Republican-controlled Senate begin? That really began because Senate President Karen Fan stepped in and she saw a role in protecting the state's election. She started calling for an investigation into the election results and count, called in Maricopa County in particular for a larger hand count to take place. The Senate even set up an email for election concerns and uh, started calling for an audit of the Dominion voting systems equipment that was used in the county. Uh, Dominion was the target of many different conspiracies throughout the election. None of them, uh, there was any proof that Dominion 
machines malfunctioned or were tampered with. But because they were centered in a lot of this, that was the Senate's first main concern was checking for any kind of mistakes that happen with those machines. So about a week later, uh, after the, the calling for the investigation, the Senate decided to issue subpoenas to the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors, asking for a slew of information that included ballots, that included voting machines, and also voter data. So fast forward, and the Senate ends up winning what some think is a pretty long shot bid to try to get all of these paper ballots. They now have, are going to have access to 2.1 million paper ballots that the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors is going to go ahead and hand over. And as you've reported, the board started packing those ballots to send them over to the Senate. And there seemed to be some confusion about where they would put them and whether or not they really wanted them to begin with. Because, I mean, we're talking about a pallet of boxes, right? Where are they going to put them? So a lot of this is new and breaking ground, and that includes where to put these 2.1 million ballots. So like you said, there's a bit of a fight going on. The Senate says that they always said that their plan was to get the ballots and review them within the county's headquarters, where all of this election, all the election process takes place usually. The county says, no, that was never part of the discussion. And so they started packing them up. They put them in a truck. They took a picture. They sent the Senate a letter saying your uh, your ballots are ready for you. Now, the attorneys are going back and forth saying this wasn't the deal. Um, meanwhile, the county's trying to run Goodyear's election this week. And so the county's saying we can't have people who are unauthorized in our building in there. And the Senate president uh, says this is obviously political. I talked to her on Friday. She's calling it absurd. She's saying that there needs to be a uh, a way for the Senate to use the headquarters so that the ballots can keep their integrity. And that's really important to the, uh, her. So as of now, the ballots are all back in the county's vault and secure. They have a 24-hour camera and on them, and um, they are waiting the Senate's next move. All right. So I am happy to know that my ballot is under 24-hour surveillance. I appreciate that. And why is there so much mistrust there? About the mistrust, that's a really good question. A lot of this, you know, I talked to President Fan on Friday and I asked her that because she always says she's been friends with many of these supervisors for decades, um, including the supervisor chairman, Jack Sellers, they have a good relationship and they've been talking throughout this process. And so, you know, he will, uh, Supervisor Sellers will tell uh, President Fan one thing and then they'll get a letter from the attorney saying another thing. So this might just be, um, you know, more of the legal concerns that are playing out in front of us. Senator Fan tries to maintain a good relationship with the supervisor. She says now there was the whole uh, attempt to put the supervisor's in contempt for not responding to the subpoenas, um, which was a whole nother story in itself that didn't happen. But there are claims on both sides that they're trying to figure this out in a way that um, that resolves it on, on the voters' behalf. So how then will this Senate audit be different from the county audit? 
That's another good question and something that I think is getting lost in all of this. The county has done multiple audits, like I said, that looked at a hand count of ballots and the voting equipment. They uh, commissioned an independent audit to happen that looked at whether the machines were tampered with, whether they miscounted votes. And all of that really was unprecedented too, and not something that typically happens in an election cycle. That was all done outside of the typical election challenges that happen across the country and states. So this is already out of the ordinary for the county to take those extra steps. Now, what the Senate wants to do is look even deeper at the ballots and the actual voter information to see whether the ballots are legitimate, whether they were counted correctly, do a larger hand count, expand it to um, an untold number of ballots at this point, and look at whether addresses are correct for voters, get down to that level of detail that is typically not done in any type of election cycle. So as part of this, do you foresee a scenario in which some of these auditors are reaching out to voters to indeed confirm that this is their ballot and that they voted, they, they, that the ballot demonstrates how they intended to vote? Could, could voters hear from auditors randomly as part of this? There is no clear scope of the Senate audit yet. They put out a plan, but it didn't say exactly how it would happen. It didn't say the auditors are going to call voters, the auditors are going to check signatures. So we don't know yet what could happen. And I think we'll find out more soon. Um, Senate President Karen Fan said that she is trying her best to figure out who's going to do the audit and when and she wants to do it quickly. She said she's already getting pressure to make it happen right now, but she wants to be cautious and careful to make sure that it's done right. Um, that includes who to select for the actual audit. Yeah. Are there any potential sort of ethical questions around any of these auditors or firms that they're looking at to, to perform this audit? Is there anything that we sort of need to be concerned about or worried about? Well, of course, you're looking at very sensitive and secure information when you look at voting and voter data. So, of course, you're going to be concerned by giving any outside party access to that information. So really, Senator Fan needs to find someone who's trusted across the nation as not being biased, as knowing, understanding many different aspects of voting. That includes ballots voting equipment, cybersecurity. There's many different facets that have to be considered here. So it was originally announced that the Senate was considering a group called Allied Security Operations Group, which is associated with the Trump's campaign's push to overturn elections in other states. And that immediately raised eyebrows because people are looking for this to be an unbiased look at the election results. It really raised questions about what the Senate is is doing here. So when I, I spoke to the Senate president on Friday, she reiterated that that's why she's taking her time trying to find a group that's trusted. So speaking of trust, uh, Secretary of State Katie Hobbs, who is in charge of the state's um, elections, was a constant voice during the ballot counting process. 
Um, her job, obviously, in part is to assure a sound election. And we've actually heard from her over the past couple of months about uh, what she's thought on that. And you can go back and listen to that previous episode. But what is she saying about this fight um, between the Senate and and the county? And does she see it really as productive? The Secretary of State really remained pretty quiet about the subpoena fight until the judge ruled. Right after that, on March 3rd, she issued a letter to uh, Senate Senator Fan and uh, Warren Peterson, who is the senator in charge of the Judiciary uh, Committee in the legislature. And she wrote about her ongoing concern of what this means now that the Senate is going to have this sensitive information. She said she disagrees with the need for the audit to begin with. There's no credible evidence of fraud. And she tells them all of the rules that are in place in Arizona law that they need to follow. That includes, you know, something as detailed as when you have the ballots out, don't have any black and blue ink around. Have sign-in sheets for everyone who enters the rooms make sure everyone reviewing it is bipartisan, has a bipartisan team around them. There are very, very detailed laws in place to protect the integrity of the election. She's trying to make sure that happens. She even said that she's been talking to national voting consultants in order to tell them about what's happening and offer to connect the Senate to those groups. So I'd have to think that quite a bit of money, quite a bit of county resources, have been used um, for litigation between the board and the Senate and just, you know, staff to staff. How much money is it going to take to actually conduct these audits and who is paying for it? As far as the fight between the Senate and the supervisors, it is costing taxpayers thousands of dollars, although we don't know the final cost yet. A lot of what the county has done is used its own lawyers to fight this battle. The Senate has brought in an outside attorney. I'm not sure at this point how much they've spent. But the audits themselves are also costing taxpayer money. The county paid for its own audit. It was around 60000 That was the estimate. And Senate President Karen Fan said she doesn't have an estimate yet for how much the Senate's audit will cost, but she is getting a lot of requests from outside groups who want to be involved because they feel like this will set a precedent for how this type of audit is done in the future. So it seems that we're going to be talking about this for quite some time. I know you're getting a lot of uh, reader reaction to your stories. Voters are obviously very interested in this issue. Um, beyond the lawsuits and the audits, it does seem to me that Republicans are really trying very hard to convince Arizonans to really sort of get in their psyche that something is fundamentally wrong with the way uh, we vote. And we haven't necessarily heard as much about some of these issues uh, when re- when Republicans Uh, had control of the state as we are hearing now. I mean, is this going to be part of a years long, longer term sort of effort to try to combat some of these political changes that we're seeing here in Arizona as the state's demographics are changing and we are sort of accelerating this um, position to a, a, a bluer state? 
I think you're right on the money there. I think it will continue to extend out past this. What the Senate has always said is this audit would be a chance to identify any type of improprieties or irregularities in the way Arizona votes, trying to secure the elections in the future. And they're really trying to see if there's any type of legislation that could come out of it that would change the way that the state votes. Now, that said, uh, Maricopa County is known nationally for putting on very solid elections. I spoke to election experts across the country who said that they really have set a high standard for the way that such a large county votes in the country. And Arizona itself uh, has auditing procedures that are well known to be very well defined and solid. I don't know that they're going to find the massive fraud that would trigger any kind of uh, requirement to change the election system on a massive scale here. But there could be smaller uh, smaller issues that they find that they try to push forward in the legislature this year and in years, in years to come. Well, we will be following your reporting, obviously, very closely. We can't wait to see what happens next. I want a picture um, of all those ballots wherever they end up. Thank you so much for joining us. Be sure to follow Jen's reporting by going to azcentral.com and clicking on local. And where can people find you on Twitter, Jen? I'm at Jen A. Fifield. All right, listeners, let's dive into some afterthoughts. Okay, Yvonne, here's the million dollar question, it seems. Will this audit, whoever does it, whenever it's completed, is this thing going to bring on board any skeptical conservatives who look at the 2020 elections so far and say they they view it as as being tainted in any way? Is this going to matter to them? Look, I do think it will matter to the conservatives who do believe fundamentally to their core, that this election was stolen from Donald Trump. They are already claiming um, this decision by a judge as a victory. Um, Republicans are fundraising off of this decision. Um, You'll hear a lot more about it um, in the weeks and months to come. I don't think when all is said and done that this fundamentally is going to alter the landscape in the way that we all think about elections here in Arizona when it comes to the 2020 election. I certainly think it will have big implications moving forward 2022, 2024. I mean, when you spend so much time, um, Republicans as as a group spend so much time talking about elections being stolen, election fraud, election audits, you are fundamentally signaling to your electorate that there's something fishy about what happened in 2020. And that might make a lot of people wonder, well, why waste my time and vote again in 2022 and 2024? Why turn out at all? And so I do think that there will be a lot of long-term consequences, a lot of long-term damage that Republicans are going to have to deal with. So when you have so many Republicans invested in this idea that the election was stolen from them and they're conveying that day in, day out to Republican voters, they're going to have to 
neutralize those worries um, or address them in some form. Maybe they, you know, do a ballot initiative in 2022 as a way to motivate Republicans to come out and vote to make sure that future elections aren't fraudulently stolen from them. Maybe they pass this legislation that um, our uh, newsroom is writing a lot about um, that would have major implications in the way we vote. So who knows how this sort of plays long term, but I do think we're going to be talking about election integrity and election audits and um, the 2020 cycle uh, for, for quite some time. That's it for today, Gaggle listeners. While we still have you, please don't forget to rate and review our show and share it with a friend. If you want to reach out to me on Twitter, I'm at Ronald J. Hansen, and that's H-A-N-S-E-N. And I'm at Yvonne Winget. Today's episode was edited and produced by Maritza Dominguez with oversight from Katie O'Connell. Thanks so much for listening to The Gaggle, a podcast from the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com. We'll see you next week.